Welcome back to another episode of the Supermercado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody, for the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And boy, am I in a good mood today. This opening I wonder track why. <laughs> really, yeah, it really pumps you up. Guys, this is going to be a very memorable episode. We're going to be playing music that features vocals. This is vocal music in video games. A lot of the music you're going to hear today is very different, very contrasting, uh, even if you're just talking about the form of it, but really the entire sound, very different from most of the music we play on the show. So it's a wonderful idea. It was in a Patreon suggestion given to us by Steve. So Steve, hopefully you enjoy this episode. I think this is going to be a blast. This is, I think, one of the, this is really one of my favorite uh, Patreon suggested episode topic mm-hmm. ideas. I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And the thing that I think is interesting about today's episode is when we were sort of preparing the playlist in my mind i think there was a specific type of music that i was thinking about as far um, as when we vocal look at today's music episode goes. yeah when we look at today's episode i think it's um there's a lot of stuff that i completely forgot about right and i'm so excited that we get to include there's one thing I, I said before that when you talk about the form most of the tracks you're going to hear today are song forms so they're going to have a verse they're going to have a chorus they most of these have lyrics so they're performed by a vocalist there's some examples where it's just humming or just whistling or, or kind of that kind of singing or there's a lot of glue, different ways glue. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ways you can make sounds. One thing I do want to differentiate is, in my opinion, uh, it's different than choral music. Because really, if you had an episode where you could include all choral, or you should include all choral music as well, that limits it to like almost every modern game soundtrack. There's so much choral music in video games. So really, what we're focusing on today are smaller solo vocalists. I mean, yeah. like, I think there's one track that you could consider it today uh, well, uh, choral music. And I think it's also fair to say that while choirs are used in a lot of contemporary soundtracks, not necessarily as a feature. It's usually accompanying an orchestra. It's not necessarily sure. choral music on its own. I think... Having mm-hmm. something like that could be an interesting episode topic, but I honestly don't even know how many examples there would be. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's just going to be a great time. We have a very eclectic uh, playlist for you guys. Uh, it shouldn't be surprising that it skews modern. Not a lot of NES tracks with vocals. Uh, that would have been interesting to try to stretch that because there would be some, <laughs> I, right? I, I, I um, imagine, you know, it would have been fun if we played in with like Sega or something. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just, before we get into this wonderful music, what you guys heard up top was from Beatmania IIDX20, and that was a song called Shining World performed by Yukako and uh, composed by DJ Genki. So yeah, today we're going to let you guys know the performers as well as the composers. So let's get into this uh, wonderful music here. We're going to start off with a track from The Curse of Monkey Island, a very fun way to start off here. This is A Pirate I Was Meant to Be, composed by Michael Land. We're a band of vicious pirates are sailing out to sea. When you hear a gentle singing, you'll be sure to turn and flee. Oh, this is just ridiculous. Come on, men. We've got to recover that map. That pirate will be done for when he falls into our trap. We're a club of tune for rovers. We can sing in every clef. We can even hit the high notes. It's just too bad we're tuned down. A pirate I was meant to be. Trim the sails and roam the sea. 
Let's go defeat that evil pirate. We know he's sure to lose because we know just where to fire it. We're thieving balladeers. A gang of cutthroat mugs. To fight us off, you only guns. Just jolly good earplugs. A pirate I was meant to be. Trim the sails and roam the sea. All right, crew. Let's get to work. Our vocation's a thing we love, a thing we'd never shirk. Ah, you have got to love Monkey Island. This game is so much fun. We're listening to A Pirate I Was Meant to Be. I believe this was written by Michael Land. Um, But this is such an interesting one to start off with today uh, because, you know... Those old LucasArts adventure games and adventure games in general, um, they they were so interesting mechanically in terms of, you know, dialogue and humor was sort of a, a big part of the core engagement. And this was such an interesting moment where the song is sort of interactive. Yeah. Depending on your choice, they'll sing a different verse because essentially Guybrush doesn't like that they're singing, and so uh, you, whatever you say, they keep rhyming. Um, they 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 keep rhyming, and so eventually you have to. Uh, you have to use the word orange. Give them a word yeah you have to give them a word that they can't run yeah no this is such a fun way to start off this episode it's a great example of a vocal music you know this entire game has such wonderful i guess you could say vocals uh, it's all recorded dialogue some wonderful uh performances here it is worth mentioning for today's episode we're gonna also tell you some of the uh performers so for example this song was performed by dominic armado he's the voice of guy alan young Greg Berger and Michael Sorek. So those were those other three gentlemen uh, did the voices for the three pirates. That and they're are crew. just classic uh, voice actors. A lot yeah. of those Ducktales, are, I think, right? some familiar names. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, this, the, this song uh, the is guy so fun. Who's, the Scottish guy played Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, I think that's really just a just a really honestly a fun way to start this episode off. There's not really going to be anything like that, you know. After this, this is kind of an oddball. Well, you know what's fun about this episode is I think when we were, first heard the concept, we're like, oh, that might be interesting. I think both Carl and myself had a very specific idea of what vocal music in video games is like. But right. then when you actually kind of get into it, there's a lot of fun stuff that doesn't necessarily you know come to mind right at first. So I think it's going to be a very eclectic and just absolutely. All around good time. It definitely is. Well, yeah, because now we're going to move on to something that couldn't be more different. This is from Near, which is a beautiful soundtrack. Uh, we've played tracks from it before, and we absolutely love it. And a lot of it features really wonderful uh, solo female vocal performance by Emmy Evans, who is, I believe, a British singer who's who lives in Japan. So the song we're going to play today is called Song of the Ancients, and this soundtrack was composed by Kichi Akabe as well as Kakiro Ishihama. Let's take a listen to Song of the Ancients.
such a beautiful song. What I love about this is uh, melodically, it's very Japanese, um, but it's cool. You can tell this is, at least I can tell, it's not a Japanese singer. Um, she is a European singer, but she's, uh, I think she's singing, if I'm not mistaken, in Gaelic. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what's so great is melodically, you can tell it was composed by a Japanese composer, but it feels like a really wonderful and fresh collaboration here. This is so beautiful and so different from the track that we played before. For the life of me, I can't remember the name of that track that we played from this game, but everything I've heard from this game blows me away. I could definitely see us doing a spotlight at some point. This is just so beautiful and delicate. And this really re is more representational of, of the kinds of music you're going to hear today. Uh, it's like soft, stripped down song form. Uh, yeah. you know, this is, this is such good stuff that it's rare that we play a track like this. Well, it's such a nice change of pace for this podcast. You know, yeah, you're right, Carl. I mean, before, whenever we'd play tracks like this, it's sort of as like a nice little dessert, you know. We'll, we'll mention it, but we don't really always dive into the nature of the composition. Mm -hmm. It's fun to feature an episode exclusively on this type of music. I love this song. I think it's incredibly evocative. I think her singing is beautiful. I love how tastefully dry this production is. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. To me, it really makes the music feel much more emotional. I also, I like singing in like an old sort of, not dead, but more ancient folky language like Gaelic, mm -hmm. but with this modern production sound in a modern style of singing. There's this really nice marriage there, and I think it's really beautiful. It's so great. Well, guys, now we're going to move on to Transistor. I was really excited uh, to, to feature a track from this, and this was one of the suggestions. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it was either this or Bastion, because both of them were composed by Darren Korb. Uh, this is a track performed by Ashley Barrett, and Ashley uh, provided the vocals for both Bastion and Transistor. This is a really cool kind of suave track. It's called The Spine from Transistor. You guys are listening to The Spine. This is from Transistor, composed by the wonderful Darren Korb, and performed by, really, his match made in heaven uh, for these two scores. This is Ashley Barrett on vocals here. I think I've said this before, but this reminds me of a Bond song. Like, this is better than a lot of modern Bond songs have been. This It's just very kind of mysterious. I will say, I loved that Sam Smith song. I did, like too. That, 
that I was, was excellent to that on repeat. Um, yeah, no, but this, I don't know, it just kind of gets your imagination going. And can't you just see, like, the colorful visuals and, like, the really interesting animations and compositing that they do sure. in those Bond openings? It's a wonderful piece of music. Yeah, it would be so cool if Darren did. Well, there is that quality to his music that feels like it'd be, it'd be right for that. That yeah. is some kind of this rock and roll energy out of the 90s that there's a quality to his harmonies that I think would be fitting there. I think it's probably just his use of like chromaticism, you know, feels well, very bonding. I want to talk a little bit about Darren in the context of today's episode. So what's great about his music is he plays in a band. Uh, I, I think his band is called Control Group. So he, uh, you know, a lot of times his songwriting perspective is from the band perspective, writing for probably people to sing. Uh, I think he has more experience in that than necessarily doing something orchestral or, or what what have you. So that's why so much right. of the music, not only does it fit the tone of the games, but he's really comfortable in this kind of songwriter uh, style. And that's what's so great is is really today... I don't know if the word composer is as fitting as songwriter. And uh, I don't, hopefully some of you guys can know the difference of what I'm talking about, because usually when, when around the podcast, we're talking about these pieces of music or these tracks. But today, these are songs. Almost all of these uh, are songs. Well, something I do want to say, though, is one of the intentions behind this podcast was to kind of, I don't know, almost eliminate the line that exists that can be slightly elitist. Hmm. of you know it, it sometimes exists you know you'll see it in the classical music world of what is real music and what isn't and i think yeah. oftentimes you know video game music gets sort of left out of the conversation entirely and is not viewed as serious music one of the whole reasons we started this podcast was to examine video game music seriously so i think just because carl's saying that these people are songwriters it doesn't mean that you know this music isn't as good or no. doesn't deserve to be respected i think he just means that this is evoking uh, a different genre and it's I think a different it's really genre of cool music that, yeah. well and it's like video games are so open you know darren korb can have a soundtrack like transistor or bastion and it's so contemporary and it really feels like rock music pop music and no one bats an eye it just feels natural well, i mean some of you might not be aware of this but Typically, when we use the term composer, for the most part, historically, it refers to instrumental music. Uh, and when we when we use the term songwriter, you know, the, a song is actually a specific form, and it really should include someone singing it. You know, so if if you're just having an instrumental piece of music, it should really never be called a song. So a song, for the most part, you know, technically has to have vocals in it. Carl, you know, something I, I thought was cute. We, we always would tease our dad about that. You know, he right. would always come to concerts and call things call pieces mm-hmm. songs. A lot of people. But but uh, yeah. I, I had a, a piece performed by the wind ensemble at uh, my university and the first band that <laughs> performed, it was really funny. The director, as he would introduce pieces, he called them songs. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> he was this really likable guy, but that's I thought so that was funny. funny that the director of the ensemble called the pieces songs. Well, we're going to keep the eclectic mix going here. We're going from Transistor to Parappa the Rapper 2. This uh, features a lot of fun, dancey rap music. This track is called Toasty Buns. It was composed by Masaya Matsura. This is a really goofy song that is going to make some of you guys smile, hopefully, uh, and have have a good time with this one. This is Toasty Buns. I'm in the house. Here it comes. Extra, extra, vida about it. The best burgers in town from all around. People from around the world come and get it. The line goes around like a merry-go-round. Uh, 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 yes, you gotta, you gotta eat. Um, yes, very good. Eat? 
yes. Toast. Very nice. And now cook. Yes. Right. Manus, the fries, a shake or a friend. If you're hungry, simply line up at the end. Come on, people, gather round. We got everything you want from all around. Cut the lettuce. So before you guys judge this too much, be aware that this is supposed to fit a game experience. You're supposed to be doing something rhythmically. It's one of those rhythm-based games. So it's 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 loads of fun. It's super super goofy. Uh, sounds to me like a Japanese person rapping here. Carl, honestly, I think this track needs no explanation. <laughs> it speaks for itself, doesn't it? <laughs> this wonderful composition. I, I think you're talking about a composition here. Uh, this is this, this is this rap piece. This is a blast. Yeah, no, I'm I'm. This is a goofy. I mean, Will, would you say this is sillier possibly than the pirate I was meant to be? I know it's a different kind of humor, but. Oh, absolutely. I, I, we've played this before, actually, on the podcast. I don't remember I what episode. I completely forgot. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I was ready for extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> read all about it. The best burgers in town all around. <laughs> Good Lord. Like a yeah. merry-go-round. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This We're not going to analyze this track in a deep way like we probably normally do on the show. It doesn't really It makes sense to do that. It's just a fun choice. I don't remember if this was something that... That Steve suggested, but it was definitely something that came into my head as soon as uh, we heard that topic idea. No, it's good. We're we're, we're trying new things. I I, I kind of I like that this episode topic shakes up our normal format of analysis. Even you know the fact Me that too. we don't have a lot to say. Maybe it means that we're going to have to think of different things to talk about. Which you know it's always That's good cool. to sort of stay fresh, stay on our toes. Or maybe it'll go terribly, and you will all stop listening to the podcast. But. Let's you got to experiment every once in a while. One thing I'll say is that's actually not the last rap song we're going to hear today. So, okay, um, let's see what we got well, next. Yeah, there's the Knuckles, the, the oh, Knuckles no, rap from no, no. Uh, Sonic Adventure <laughs> I 2, wouldn't, right? I wouldn't do that That's to you, track well. of the week, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it, is, it is feature vocals. Um, all right, so let's see what we got next here. We have something from Final Fantasy IX. You know, there's a lot of great vocal music in the Final Fantasy series. We wanted to play one example of uh, a solo vocalist, and this is probably the strongest song I can think of in the Final Fantasy series that has a singer. It's Melodies of Life, uh, the main theme to Final Fantasy IX, and it was performed by Amiko Shiratori and obviously composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Uh, there's two different versions floating around. Some of you might know the version that the same singer sings in English. This is the Japanese version, which I think is a little bit more beautiful, in my opinion. Let's take a listen to Melodies of Life from Final Fantasy IX.
You guys are listening to Melodies of Life, a beautiful theme from Final Fantasy IX. This was composed by Uematsu. It was performed by Emiko Shiratori. She does a beautiful job here. The sensitivity she has, uh, her pitch is, is right on the money. I'm actually uh, probably more of a fan of this rendition. You could tell it was written first in Japanese, and her performance, I think, is a little bit more solid than the English version. And there's something I like when I listen to um, music that's sung in a language that I don't know, because I'm yeah. just listening to the beauty of the music. And I'm not distracted sure. by what the words mean because sometimes music is is not just about what the words are saying; it's about everything else. I I completely agree with that, and that's sort of an age-old debate with vocal music: is what's more important. And to me, I, I completely agree with you about hearing music that's sung in a different language. I, I don't think it would be the same if there were no words at all. I think it's the kind yeah. of the mystique that the the melody and the emotion of the singer is evoking all these kind of images in our mind. And I think that allows our imagination to run wild and maybe tell our own individual story that's more personal and resonates with us. Where mm-hmm. when you actually hear the words, it kind of, it doesn't necessarily allow for as much imagination unless the words are really solid. But sometimes if they're, you know, there's some sort of translation or mm-hmm. maybe they're just sort of functional, it, it, you're right. You know, it isn't as, oh, that's a great, oh. Gosh, this is beautiful. Well, the, another thing that's worth mentioning is as far as uh, the challenge of translating something, if you write a song in a language and then try to translate to another language, chances are it's probably not going to work as well, and it's going to be really difficult to get it to work when you think about the syllables have to fit, the melody was written Rhyming for, for and, certain yeah. ra- for certain words, and the translation is going to be watered down. So in, in general, I mean, I if I was going to listen to a song, I would prefer to listen to the, the language it was intended, it was first written for. Absolutely. Uh, there's some examples examples like there's that one song um by the cranberries uh that i heard like a like a chinese version of like the uh, i can't remember this for the life of me the song right now but it's a really popular song from the 90s and i heard this this uh, chinese version of it and it was like way more beautiful it was like wonderful so that was a rare example of that yeah i think there's that that quality of mystery and i'm sorry that i interrupted myself earlier to just marvel at the beauty of this track (laughs) (laughs) i'd stop my train of thought by just being oh that's pretty no but i i completely agree I, i think there's that element of mystery that kind of excites us it's almost the reason why i think it'd be cool writing music in like a made-up language i think it's like in the lord of the rings scores the choirs are singing in like elvish and the different Mm -hmm. languages there's something i think is really cool about that where it's like you don't necessarily know what is being said or sung um but the fact that there is actual words being said i think it yeah it allows for the imagination to sort of run wild and I, the song i was thinking of earlier that cranberry song is called dreams so if anyone wants to hear there's a chinese version of dreams uh, you'll know the song very well it's, it's really beautiful but yeah speaking of beauty that that is yeah a wonderful just type in dreams i'm sure it'll come <laughs> up immediately uh okay what do we got next um 
You know, we have a lot of goofy music today. Why is that, Will? Let's talk about that later. Maybe at the end of the episode, we can maybe decide why is it that there's so much silliness in today's episode. This is from Katamari Damashi, and we're going to play a track called Gin and Tonic and Red Roses. Three wonderful things you can't live without, right? Um, the composers here are Asuka. I could live without tonic. <laughs> not, not gin, though, right? Just um, gin and roses. <laughs> the composers here are Asuka Sakai and Ado Mizumori. Let's take a listen to this track from Katamari Damashi. is beyond silly <laughs> you guys are listening to gin and tonic and red roses from katamari damashi uh, composed by asuka sakai and otto mizumori again just another one that speaks for itself will will is this real is is this a language is this are they speaking words here what's what's going on do you think here i have no idea i know a lot of the tracks in this game like are just gibberish but what does this sound like to you? I think they're speaking Frenish. No, it sounds like fake French. <laughs> it sounds like they're making up fake syllables and words. Well, okay, let's let's not talk about that. What do you think about this track? Uh, it's definitely intended to be funny. How do you think they were evoking humor uh, when they were recording this track? Um, I, I really think with the tasteful drumming, uh, that's really funny. <laughs> No, no, I think it's a similar thing we've talked about before. Yeah, because it's legit. The, You're right. Yeah, yeah, the combination of something uh, serious. I, I was joking about the drumming thing, but just when I said that, I'm like, oh, there's probably is something to the serious nature. Not just that, the composition in general. It, it sounds like an old standard that's kind of being butchered by this silly... <laughs> well, it's a, it's it's funny how much they're they're parroting. Um, don't mean anything if you ain't got that swing. It's like the exact same right. song for the most part. Yeah, no, and this is very different from most of the tracks in Katamari. A lot of them have a more of a modern electronic vibe. So I think that's a, a, a point of humor too. The the fact that all of a sudden there's this jazz song. Um, it, it's really right. fun, you know. And it's a very it's like a parody. It's a satire of jazz, sure. It is, yeah, and there's there's some other great songs that we could we could feature from Katamar. We actually we're gonna play one more later from Katamar just because it seems like such a quintessential uh, uh, vocal yeah, music soundtrack. So how could we not do that? Let's move on. Carl, to... I don't know about you. I'm having a great time. I'm having a wonderful time. Yeah, thanks again, Steve, for this idea. This this is just such a different. Um, I don't know. I think it's fun to play music that we don't normally play, like genre wise. It's a blast. I'm having a great time. We're gonna now move on to Metal Gear Solid. And this piece is the ending of the game. It's called The Best is Yet to Come. Now, this particular song was composed by someone else who didn't work on the rest of the game's music. That person is Rika Muranaka, and this was performed by Will. Can you help me with the 
pronunciation of who this singer is? Awife ni Ferrari. We'll go with that. (laughs) This is a beautiful piece of music called The Best is Yet to Come. You guys are listening to The Best is Yet to Come. This is from Metal Gear Solid, uh, composed by Rika Morinaka and performed by a hard-to-pronounce singer. She did a great job. Uh, This, I believe, was one of Steve's suggestions. We've played it before. It's a beautiful track. Um, It's very different from everything we've played so far today. It feels a lot more classically based. It's pretty tragic. It has some really interesting, almost Gregorian harmonies. Well, uh, you know, you're studying and performing and just kind of seeped with a lot of vocal music uh, at school these days. So what is your overall take on on this song? If you were to kind of talk about this in one of your classes or uh, what do you think about this musically? Well, I think it's meant to kind of evoke medieval music with some of the harmonies. Um, A lot of the kind of modal qualities of it by that i mean kind of uh modes are we've talked about this before on the podcast but for those of you that aren't familiar they're sort of um these scales built on you if you're thinking of like c major um built on different degrees of that of that scale um essentially and so they were used a lot in ancient sacred music um some of the most common modes are like the dorian mode mixolydian lydian um, and they're used a lot in contemporary music, either to sound ancient or to just kind of have interesting harmonies. To me, this mm-hmm. really is trying to sound uh, medieval. Um, and it does. And I think it also <laughs> comes across with some of those instruments. You almost have that, uh, it sounds like a, a transverse flute or some kind of folk recorder or something right now what i'm so curious about and and i think it's pretty evident and it's pretty effective here um the fact that they went for something so different from the the tone in the era of the game metal gear solid this like modern futuristic espionage game that has like a typical kind of modern score that you'd expect for an espionage game and then all of a sudden the ending theme is this and um i think they're just trying to make it feel like powerful and serious and kind of like oh this is the end of the of the game it's also possible it's meant to have like a folk music quality that i i don't remember because it's been a long time since i played metal gear solid but does it take place in russia like where does the game take place i think place? if i'm not mistaken i think it's like siberia i want to say um because if it's meant to take place in some sort of eastern european i could hear this being like an attempt to write something that sounds like an old 
folk tune, especially now that I'm hearing that like lute and some of those flutes, it, it does kind of have a, a folk music quality, which, you know, it also reminds me um, of medieval music because a lot of that stuff um, back then, you know, wasn't just music, you know, sacred music out of the church. Uh, folk music and secular music has always been kind of a, a big one. Absolutely. Well, let's get back to the fun here, at least for one track. You know, this is a little more serious. Let's kind of, let's get back into the swing of things here. This is from Sonic R, which I believe in Japan was known as Supersonic Racing. Also composed evokes by, a lot of modal qualities as well. A lot yes. of ancient modal qualities. Uh, yes. This was composed by uh, one of our favorites, Richard Jakes, and performed by the British singer. Her Her name that she went by is TJ Davis. And the track here is Can You Feel the Sunshine? Incredibly cheesy, incredibly fun, a little bit jazz fusion meets pop, meets Spice Girls, meets I don't know Can what. Can you feel it's, the no. sunshine? <laughs> this is Can You Feel the Sunshine from Sonic R. By Elton John. the 90s this is can you feel the sunshine from sonic r composed by richard jakes and performed by tj davis such a fun track it's incredibly cheesy it's really over the top i love how earnest her singing is here it's almost like she didn't get the memo that like i don't know if you have to take this seriously it's a racing game that's pretty crappy oh there's Um, nothing i love more than earnestness but it's it's good i mean you could actually talk musically about this is a well-written song with really interesting jazzy chord changes and a good melody the, the chorus all of a sudden modulates out of nowhere, and it's really cool right there. It, it's effective. I think if you give it like a hundred years, people will come back and study this and be like, oh, this is really pretty. But I think hmm. it's a little too recent <laughs> to kind of look at it with I will lens. say my... I won't forget. I will never forget my first reaction to this. Uh, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I like. I did not like. It. I thought it was terribly cheesy. But now I'm starting to. You know, the more I get familiar with Richard Jakes, I'm listening to his jazz sensibility, and I do appreciate that. Uh, it's it's a fun piece of music. It's, it's silly. Well, so it's, I, I, that's the thing I love about this podcast. I've almost become. I've completely lost any and all sensitivity to like things that are cheesy. Like, I, I don't dislike music because its context is poor. Like, I think that is a know, nice thing, yeah. I enjoy develop. that. I think it allows you to enjoy more kinds of music and appreciate things on a musical level and a melodic level and less just about like, oh, this drum sound or this production sound feels really cheesy. Listen to that synth or a soprano saxophone or, or something. Or also like to be embarrassed. Uh, like It reminds me of that great Dave Grohl quote where he said uh, "There's no he doesn't believe in guilty pleasures. He knows like if something 
it's cheesy or whatever. Like if you like it and it makes you happy, then listen to it and don't worry about it. You know. But I mean, he's also like the biggest badass in the universe, so he can be like, "F yeah, I like Taylor Swift," and no one's mm-hmm. gonna like give him shit for true, it. True, true. We can't all be as cool as Dave Grohl, even though we try really hard. We can try and yeah. fail. Uh, one thing I do want to say, um, we're going to move into another song that's a little bit tragic as it is worth mentioning today. Uh, it's an episode on vocal music and at the time of recording, very sad day for Minnesota music. Um, I'm sure most of you know by the time this episode is out. Music in general. Uh, Prince, uh, passed away today. Uh, wonderful musician, multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, just a huge force, um, in music. Uh, one of those people that had such a larger than life persona, which really comes only second to someone like Michael Jackson now it's so sad that yeah. we've lost both of those amazing um, pioneers. You know, there's something weird though that's almost fitting. It's like those two are so brilliant and so magnificent. You know, their yeah. names belong up there with all the other musical geniuses that have come before and are now well, gone. W- what's interesting with with today is I'm really feeling it here. A lot of you listening probably aren't in Minnesota, but really what you're hearing here, you know, in Minneapolis is. There was nobody bigger in the Minneapolis music scene than Prince. He was the biggest icon we've ever had in Minnesota. And his his contributions to funk and R&B and to what's called the Minneapolis sound are so big. So it's something that hopefully, you know... Even me in a funk band, you know, hopefully we can kind of keep his, you know, his uh, his spirit alive. So with that said, let, let's move on. We have some more music to get to. Uh, we're going to play a track from Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which is a very buzzed and talked about soundtrack that came out, I think, last year. Wonderful stuff by Jessica Curry. She's a great composer. And this was performed by Alin Monahan Thomas. And the track we're going to play is The Morning Tree. It's a nice folk piece of music. Very beautiful stuff here. You guys are listening to The Morning Tree, which is a beautiful piece of music that if someone told me it was composed in 2015-14, I wouldn't believe them if I didn't know any better. feels like a timeless uh, piece of folk music here, composed by Jessica Curry from Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Will, what do you think about this track? Does this remind you of pieces that you um, have either listened to or performed in college? Well, maybe. I mean, uh, this arrangement is just so tasteful. And again, her style of singing I love because it's it's this blend you know it feels so modern it doesn't really feel of the classical world and it doesn't necessarily feel like uh folk music traditional singing it's a little bit um i i, I don't know i sort of contemporary i mean mm-hmm. i'm used to you know in college you know if you're l- learning vocal music kind of in an academic setting 
oftentimes, you know, they encourage you to use uh, a lot of vibrato. That's sort of the cliche. You mean, it might not be true everywhere, but that's the classical style of singing. Um, but I am a huge fan of classic music, or in this case, something that's meant to when evoke it's more an straight, older era. Right? That's, yeah, that's being sung with a, a straight tone. I think that it gives a lot of clarity to the melody, which is something I'm a big fan of. I mean, I understand from like a vocal pedagogy standpoint why, you know, people are encouraged to sing a certain way and stylistic times of the era, but I, I just think it can be really, really beautiful, especially in a context like this. I think the other the other thing here is a big necessity for when you think of that type of classical singing with a lot of vibrato, you think of opera connotations and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's out of functionality. You know, it, it's meant to be loud acoustic singing that can carry in a big hall over an orchestra. But now with microphones and recording technology, th- that's not really a mandate. So a piece like this. Well, is, also, since this is a this is a stripped down intimate piece of music, it is worth no- right. noting. Well, maybe this means something to you. You know, you're really kind of plugged into to how you approach vocal music is this singer um ellen she's a british singer and she's most uh, notably known for singing baroque music specifically so maybe that kind of has something to do with with her style is, is she's um singing only well at least what she's known for today is she's a baroque singer you know i'd be so curious to hear some of her other stuff if she sings like this or if she adopts sort of a more uh conventionally you know vocally trained style because i love hearing baroque music in this kind of um with just a lot of clarity to the melody i think is a thing i'm a huge fan of. well now we're going to move on to something fun again this is a game for the sega saturn called burning rangers well you're going to remember this track wonderful track this features singing very very silly singing and actually pretty cool rapping so this is what i was alluding to earlier the track is we are burning rangers is one of my favorite discoveries i think in our season one i stumbled upon this soundtrack and it's just one of those unforgettably fun tracks uh this was composed by takanobu mitsuyoshi and the rapper is soul let's take a listen to we are burning rangers Did you like that little rap? That little line where he said, uh, "I got frights like Wes Crave." Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> I do. Pretty cool little line. I remember there. noting that last time we listened. Good to rap. It. This is this is um yeah this is one of the examples of actually 
that rap in video games can actually be a really fun and exciting thing. You know, he's kind of rapping a little bit about maybe some of the things you're going to be doing as these Burning Rangers. Uh, it's so fun. It's very Whoa, funky. You know what I realized? I think last time we... Because we played this on the podcast before, correct? Yes. Yeah, the last time we played it, that was before Wes Craven had passed away. I think he died oh. last year. It's too bad. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Interesting. Let's have another. <sighs> this episode is going to be all vigils to mm-hmm. people who have recently passed away. This episode is dedicated to Prince and Wes. Um, guys, I'm very, very excited to move on to this week's track of the week. Oh, this wait. From... I, I, I can guess. It's Cruisin'? Cruisin' USA. <laughs> Or Daytona. It barely. <laughs> Let's go. Are we? Daytona. Barely missed the cut. Um, this is from Bastion. And this is a track Fair that enough. actually this particular rendition we've never played. Uh, it, it's a theme that w- that we've played before. This is the first time you hear this theme. It's Mother, I'm Here. And it's a more of an intimate stripped down version that's actually sung just by Darren Korb here. Really beautiful. And you, and you kind of get a sense of what the melody is and the beauty of the song. And then in the credits version, you hear this great duet with, with him and Ashley. But really interesting rendition here. Let's take a listen to Mother, I'm Here from Bastion. chills uh i love darren's voice i think he has a wonderful voice as far as the rock pop sphere it's just so great and just this is such a stripped down version where you really get familiar with the melody i like how it starts off with just him humming it then he comes in with the lyrics that b section uh the bridge of the song really reminds me of for some reason dave grohl's songwriting <laughs> i don't know why but it always yeah, does a lot of those, um, those chords really cool chords that you would only come up with on the guitar and that's what i was talking about earlier he's a songwriter i mean he's been thrown into the world of i guess composing but he's coming up with these chords on guitar uh he's not thinking about oh this chord that you know when you move the fret up oh it's like this flat nine sharp 13 he's probably not thinking about he's just trying to come up with chords that sound good and a melody that sounds good for it and right that's what he completely but, I mean, is that's just, he what, nails it that's really what composing is you know there's a lot of video game composers that aren't classically trained you know i Amen think this that. idea that people that write at the piano are composers and people that write in guitar aren't is I I just I don't no, know if there's a lot silly. of truth to it. I I, I agree that off, probably if you're writing at the piano, you you may have a little bit more 
fundamental understanding of the harmony because it's easier to visualize. But, but I mean, well, this is an interesting discussion. Would you say there is a difference, though, between a songwriter and a composer? I mean, I, I, in some ways of how well, they're... it depends. Are they a good songwriter? Are they a bad composer? I think my whole argument is that I think a lot of the music that exists in the classical world in the 20th century by composers is avant-garde and oftentimes not very melodically sound. Well, yeah, than, I'm, I'm not saying which is better and that they're not one isn't valid i'm just saying is there usually a difference that between those two terms i think so but then you have people like george gershwin that sort of transcend everything i mean mm -hmm. richard rogers you know not classically trained at all paul one mccartney of the great would be a american great example, songwriters right? should he really not be considered a composer his richard rogers music is every bit as good as something some aria from an old italian opera i i really don't think there should be a difference but here i'm going to give you an example will um what about what about someone like neo I would definitely consider him a songwriter. The word composer doesn't really fit for him. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, culturally, we sort of ascribe these terms. But I think in terms of an analytical sense, I think it's fine to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Because music is universal, and though it can be very different and mean different things to different people... At the end of the day, I think there is kind of this fundamental part of our humanity that's being tapped into in all music and so i think you know everyone's doing the same thing well let's move on to a very silly piece of music um this is from rayman origins it's sea of serendipity village on the water <laughs> wonderful track that if i'm not mistaken well, that's funny this track actually precedes yeah it, it precedes the track of the week from last week the lums right this, oh that's this is cool. a piece of music that occurs in the game right before this was if i'm not mistaken also performed as well as composed by christoph Haral, right is that right exactly Will? yeah he did all the, all the little voices himself let's take a listen to village on the water Awesome. That's Village on the Water, composed by Christoph Haral. What I think is so great about the music for both the Rayman games that um, he and Billy Martin worked on is that uh, they're so eclectic. Uh, these soundtracks can vary from orchestral music to kind of spy, big band, j small ensemble jazz, uh, to weird stuff like this, which um, I love this track because it's really trying to evoke um, a lot of Hawaiian influence. You hear the steel guitar, you hear the ukulele, but to me it goes further than that. It's the nature of 
those harmonies it's a very specific kind of early jazz harmony sound a lot of major six chords and a, a lot of harmony not dissimilar to like barbershop quartet style right. you know I, I i'm very familiar with it because as a kid my favorite one of my favorite shows was spongebob squarepants and a lot of the incidental music they had on that show was all of this kind of stock hawaiian steel guitar music and it's funny a lot of it is kind of like these old hawaiian you know 50s jazz arrangements of um folk songs or old kind of hymn tunes well i think you're totally right i was actually thinking the same thing as far as 40s and 50s you know this really reminds me of uh hawaiian themed songs kind of like that Millie kaliki makia or even like that rum and coca-cola song i think from the 50s it kind of has that vibe and that's definitely what christopher Wall was going for it's yeah. so fun how he was able to nail that yeah well there's something that happened in the 50s with jazz music was was this sort of obsession with um kind of i guess you would say ethnic music or mm-hmm. the exotic so you know hawaiian music and latin music it night became in tunisia sort of in sure. vogue yeah to kind of evoke folk world music sounds from other countries into popular jazz music it, it kind of gave this exoticism that was something i guess exciting in the 1950s but a lot of that music is really fun and really solid and it's one of the things i love so much about the rayman games and it is it feels like it's evoking that era you know whether it's something like this or on the flip side kind of evoking that lalo chiffron thing that they do so well Mm -hmm. in the second game rayman legends with all that wonderful kind of spy movie music it really feels like it's evoking the same era you know completely different styles but well christopher wall is a student of of music a student of music history and he has the skills and the knowledge in orbit in order to nail uh, these very specific musical genres yeah, it's so eclectic, but it's, it's so versatile. He's just really impresses me. Now we're going to move on to Chrono Cross. This is a beautiful song that I thought long and hard about having this as track of the week. It's one of the the best vocal melodies, I would say, for video game music. It was composed and it's by... it's not the Daytona Let's Go Away song. It couldn't be more different. <laughs> this is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda and performed by Noriko Mitose. Let's take a listen to Radical Dreamer's Unstealable Jewel.
know, we've we've talked a lot about this song on the podcast. Um, it's one of those pieces that's worth playing multiple times. Uh, yes, we've played it before, but I wouldn't feel right having an episode on vocal music. Uh, at least the first installment, we could come back to this because we're having a great time. But uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable having the volume one of this uh, and not featuring this uh, song. It's it's absolutely classic um, to me. And I've only been familiar with it for a few years. So it, it's one of those uh, melodies that feels like you've known your whole life. It's really powerful. I love that um, guitar the arrangement, pattern, too. Yeah, the arrangement's great. The, the guitar arpeggios are so specific, and they harmonize with her voice so well. You get a full sense of the chords and the rhythm. You don't need any other instruments. And if you had any other instruments, even one additional instrument, I think with every subsequent instrument that would be added, you would start to lose some of the power and some of the um, emotional purity. You know, Carl, what is it about that chord progression, essentially like in a minor key where you start on the one and just kind of descend down two mm-hmm. scale steps and then come back yeah. up. I know, that I, not to get like too analytical about this, but it's something that shows up all the time, uh, particularly in Japanese music, but, you know, all over the place. Like, I mean, the the theme to Interstellar, which yeah. was so emotional and so powerful, is essentially built around that entire that's a great, concept. That's a great question. There's something about that harmonic pull that... There's the longing there. There's yeah. something, I think there's something um, pr- primordial about it. There's just something powerful. It's one of those things where even if we can't explain why, when you listen to those intervals played in succession, it gives you that emotion and it feels very well, deep. You know, it's funny in this piece, even melodically, it's about landing on those same sort of scale steps. It's about going from the first scale degree to the fifth scale degree, then the seventh to the fifth, kind of landing. Yada, 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 yeah. da, da. It's about hitting those increments. You think of the interstellar theme was doing the same thing, but there's something about about that that really kind of tugs at your heartstrings you're right it's very simple and primal it's not using you know dissonant chords or anything but it's so incredibly uh, effective it's something i've been a little bit obsessed with um as of late is sort of figuring out you know why does this exist so much in music and what makes it so emotional Absolutely. Well, now we're going to move on to a fairly silly track again. um, This one is a favorite to a lot of people. This is from Silent Hill 3. The song is called Hometown. And of course, the soundtrack was composed by Akira Yamaoka. This song was performed by Joe Romerza. And he has this silly kind of smoky voice, uh, very affected voice that kind of feels like a combination of maybe David Bowie and Tom Waits, I guess, at least what I'm hearing. It, it's pretty silly, but it's cool. Uh, it kind of it feels like it's, it's a good, slightly cheesy horror piece of music. So let's take a listen to Hometown from Silent Hill 3. Feel 
I would consider this very silly. <laughs> His voice, I mean, I hope that he's like going for that. You must survive. I hope he's going for that particular effect. Um, it, it works Carl, for this I will game. say, I don't think I've ever agreed with you more than your Tom Waits meets David Bowie <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, comparison. Dude. It's really spot on. Yeah, this is Hometown from Silent Hill 3. Uh, this is one of those uh, infamous pieces of music. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's very unique. Um, and it's one of those moments of, of humor mixed with um, mystery and scariness. Uh, it's so it's so great. You know, you know horror movies and games. I want to make that my ringtone. <laughs> You've got to survive. Yeah. They have a place. Um, there's actually a place for it to be a little funny too. And again, sometimes that combination. You know, think of how this track started off with kind of these really dissonant chords, and most of this soundtrack is very dissonant and creepy. So that juxtaposition can actually be quite haunting. I would say so. Awesome. We're going to move back to the Final Fantasy series and play the one track that I would consider could be choral music, right? Uh, Final Fantasy VIII, a very well-loved piece of music called Liberi Fatale, composed by Nubuo Uematsu. You guys are listening to Liberi Fatale from Final Fantasy VIII, composed by Nobuo Uematsu. God, this orchestration is marvelous. It's really, really good. Yeah, this version is so good. I, I think Tommy included this in one of his recent albums, his Video Game Live albums. It's a very famous and well-loved piece of music. Um, there's a few different choral tracks from this series that we could have played, but this, this is so beautiful. And if you're going to have one choral track to play today... It's tough to beat this one. Um, it feels very authentic. That orchestration is just marvelous. Some of the things that were happening in the winds, it almost sounded like Sibelius or Bartok mm -hmm. or something. Like It's just this really beautiful kind of folky European harmony. I would be curious to, to go back in the credits of Final Fantasy VIII and see if uh, Uematsu had someone to help him with the orchestration. Because uh, he didn't have, I'm sure. he didn't have tons of experience doing that, especially up to this point. This is fairly new that he had the he had an orchestra and a choir at his disposal. But yeah, That's this is a great yeah, track. The, this theme, the kind of the Latin text and the chant-like quality of the don don, ya da don, you know, right. it, it it definitely feels like again, it's evoking kind of an ancient quality. I I, I think for sort of a different effect, like have this kind of massive, intimidating. 
uh, ancient religioso kind of sound to it. There's something kind of uh, scary about that. I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. it's almost sort of become a cliche probably in a lot of film music using choirs for that effect. Oh, yeah. I think probably my, uh, probably all of our favorite examples would be The Duel of Fates from mm-hmm. Phantom Menace by John Williams. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, we're going to move on to an interesting choice here. This is from a game called Ollie King. Oh, were you just yawning or is that <laughs> meant to be choral singing? That's just how I yawn, dude. <laughs> oh, angel. <laughs> this is from. Are you um, singing? Because the words are actually Kora Ratima oh God, in Duel of Fates, if you want. Uh, it's, let's it's let's move on to a text. game called Ali King, and that leads me to believe it's a skateboarding game. This was composed by Hideki Naganuma, and we're going to play a track called Technopathetic. And this features uh, one aspect of uh, vocal music that we haven't done today, which is the vocoder, right? <laughs> we, have, we don't have, don't Ooh, have a yeah. vocoder song yet. So let's take a listen to Technopathetic E-Pop and Disco 80s Mix from Ollie King. cool uh this almost feels like maybe like rapping with a vocoder really cool track i've never heard this before this is uh probably the most obscure pick today uh this is from ollie king composed by hideki naganuma will what do you think of this track kind of daft punky right very daft and very punk. it's very yeah, daft love and it. punk you know it's funny while we were listening to it carl and i were just talking about daft punk songs <laughs> that we like there's one that um i always uh whenever it comes up on shuffle on my ipod i always have to listen to it's the uh, the opening track to random access memories uh give life back to music i it's a great I love, song that whole album is just ugh. Love that so album, yeah. groovy. Really excited when that came out. I remember listening to it as soon as it was released. There was, uh, as is known to happen these days, uh, it was available for streaming like the day before it came out. I was like, oh, you can stream this whole album on this particular URL. And I remember just sitting in my room at like twelve on like a week, like a well, work mean, night, just listening to the whole thing, just loving it. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it really feels like that album sort of helped to usher in a new kind of era of like disco appreciation Absolutely. and a lot of like popular music starting to yeah. sound like disco, which I'm so excited about because, you know, we've had a lot of like, and there continues to be a lot of love for pop music of the 1960s and seventies. And so it's cool that we, you know, we're getting into disco disco and, and R and B and funk from the seventies. You know, we wouldn't, I don't think we necessarily would have had the success of things like uptown funk and, and songs like that. If it wasn't for that random access memories album, it really, like Will said, it kind of paved you the know, way. Pretty soon we're going to get, 
get to the 80s and all that cheesy production that we gonna come back earlier is going to become hip again. Let's move on to something very different in, in uh, structurally, just audio-wise, very different from most things we would ever play. It's cool. This is from Kentucky Route Zero, and the song is Long Journey Home solo version, performed and composed by the Bed Quilt Ramblers. Here we go. solo version from the game Kentucky Route Zero, composed and performed here by the Bed Quilt Ramblers. Very nice, relaxing country track. Reminds Will of some of the music in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. This one is um, really kind of melancholy. It's like feels like the end of a journey where it's like you've made some friends and maybe you've lost some people on the way and it's a little bit sad, but you're also just kind of uh, able to just sit back and relax and maybe appreciate uh, maybe where you are. Well, it's almost like a. It feels like a hymn form, where it's just verse, 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 verse. Yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of a lot of like American hymn tunes. It's um, very American, that's for sure. Yeah. It's a good track, and it's it's very different from what we play. Really beautiful. Yeah. There's that that melancholy there. That something about folk music is almost inherently melancholy because you think about music of the people throughout history. People have had it quite rough. <laughs> well, well, you know what I find fun about this playlist is a lot of these tracks, uh, today more than almost any other day, if you were to play for maybe people of a certain generation that don't play video games and have a preconceived notion of what video game music sounds like, they would be very surprised that, th- whoa, this is, a, this is a video game song? Because it really doesn't or sound like Or as our like father it. would say, this is video music? This is video music? Yeah. Well, guys, we have one more track for the day. Uh, we have to play something from Pop and Music, right? This is Pop and Music 7, and the track is called Tobinai Tenshi. Let's take a listen.
I had a wonderful time today exploring vocal music and video games. We want to thank one more time Steve for giving us this idea and for supporting us through Patreon. Uh, we've had a great time with a lot of these Patreon episodes this season, but this might be my favorite Patreon episode this season. Uh, it's hard to say. Undertale was pretty dang killer as well, but this was a great time. It just really kind of spiced things up and kind of got us energized in a different way. So I could see us coming back to this. Uh, I do want to give one quick note before we leave is that uh, Playing Out is another track from Katamari Damashi. It's Wanda Wanda. It's really fun, so you should stick around for that. Uh, yeah, I had a great time today. Well, and another thing we want to plug, you know, it might be too late at this point, but if you're listening on Monday, there might still be chance uh, for you to send something in for Listener Show and Tell, which is yes. next week. Next we week. typically record on a Wednesday, so, it, I mean, it might be too late at this point, but, you know, <laughs> if you have something really good, yeah, uh, it might you know, get a spot on next week's episode. You just had to plug it again, didn't you, Will? We already, we were flooded. We already have more than enough for the episode. But yeah, if you send something awesome, we'll <laughs> we'll try to include. It's going to be a great uh, installment of Listener Show and Tell. So that's next week. It's funny. I Every year we routinely just get more and more um, people to send stuff in. It's I, wonderful. It really, it, it kind of touches me. Because I, I think one of the things is like, we, we have like the loyal and faithful, those who leave comments every week and are constantly mm-hmm. writing us and stuff. Um, but it's funny whenever we do listen to the show and tell it's like oh my gosh all of you people i've never heard from you before as well yeah it's it's super fun i it's wonderful we love talking to you guys it's a great excuse for people to write in yeah because think about all the podcasts that we listen to will uh we never interact with them we just listen we just consume their stuff and it's it's good to have an excuse to interact occasionally Um, write a theme song occasionally yeah so guys uh all that fun stuff you can like us on facebook follow us on twitter subscribe to us on youtube our website is supermarcadobrothers.com where you can find our music and all of our podcasts and if you're enjoying the show and you're new to the show uh if you want to leave us an itunes review we'd appreciate that or you can just you know come up to us on the street and shake our hands and put her there absolutely put her there once again um rest in peace prince uh you know left a huge impact for a lot of people around the world so this episode this episode goes out to him i hope you guys have a great week we're going to play you out with this track from katamari damashi my name is carl brueggemann and i'm his brother formerly known as will brueggemann Peace out. Around the city, 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 around the city